just another Sunday morning. People wake up, groggy in the half-light, remembering their worries, disappointments, sadness, choosing to get up anyway, to get through another day. But this day is different. The very earth starts to shake. The tomb is empty. Grave clothes have been shaken off. And then he's here. He looks different, but it's him. He speaks our names. He shows us the wounds where he felt our pain. He welcomes and restores and sends. And suddenly everything is different. There is laughter where there were tears. Imaginations are reignited. Bodies resound with the hope of resurrection. Doubts are acknowledged and lifted up. Work is a gift and a calling and a joy. This is not just another Sunday morning. This is Easter Day. This is Resurrection Day. And we are Resurrection People. gives you a little bit of an insight into what it is that we're going to uh, be exploring over the next uh, seven weeks or so. Uh, Easter isn't just one day. Easter is a whole season uh, known as Eastertide. It goes from uh, Easter Sunday all the way to Ascension Day. Um, and so over this, uh, this next six or seven weeks, we're going to be exploring this notion of resurrection people. And that gives you a bit of an insight into what it is that we're going to do. So let's pray together. Loving God, we are so delighted to come to worship you this morning on this Easter Sunday, on this day where you rose from the grave. And so, loving God, let us come and explore that. Let us come in expectation to meet you in this place. Let us go away as changed people from meeting you here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So many of you uh, might know that I am an Edinburgh rugby supporter. When I lived in Edinburgh, I had a season ticket, but it's a bit of a long way to travel to be able to get down to Edinburgh to be able to um, watch um, Edinburgh play. Um, so, uh, so I have to catch it on the TV and on various uh, various streaming platforms and various various things. Now, Edinburgh have made their way to become quarter finalists in the second tier of the European Cup, um, and we are in the in the or we're in a position to get into the playoffs uh, in the uh, in the league that uh, that we play in. Um, and and I get I I enjoy watching Edinburgh play. I enjoy watching Scotland play. Uh, as well. They are the team uh, that I support, um, and, uh, I, I, and it's great fun uh, doing that. I get to shout at the TV, and, uh, and, and it doesn't really uh, affect anything else uh, in my life. And that is part of the appeal of it, but it's also part of one of the strange things about that. Because ultimately, whether Edinburgh win or lose, and we won pretty convincingly yesterday, whether we win or lose, my life goes on unchanged. I might say to people, oh, it was good that Edinburgh won. And they might go, oh. And then they walk off. I have three, uh, three, uh, three brothers-in-law. They're all Aberdeen supporters. They're all twice the size of me. Um, they know nothing about rugby. Occasionally, they try to speak to me about rugby, but there is nobody uh, to speak to about this, which is why, you know, you're getting it. <laughs> so, it, but basically, my life goes on unchanged. Um, we win, we lose. I then switch the TV off, and I go upstairs uh, to read the, the story, the bedtime story to James, or I go off and I make a cup of tea, and my life goes on as if nothing had happened. I'm not part of the team. I'm not involved in the team in any way. Even when I had a season ticket, I, I wasn't involved in, in the team. I might walk past some members of the team in the bar afterwards, but that was about as much as I got. Nothing changes, win or lose. My life goes on unchanged. But if you're a participant, if you're part of the team, then it's a different story. Your life is changed because of what it is that you, that, that you do. The team obviously will be excited that they got into the quarterfinals yesterday. They will be celebrating, and then they'll get back down to the hard work. If you're even more famous, if you're an even more famous sportsman or, or, or more famous in other uh, other avenues of life, then your life might go. Your life might be changed because of what it is that you do. People like Andrew and Neil Simpson, who we have on the screen uh, behind me, um, who knows uh, what uh, uh, what they won recently? Andrew and Neil Simpson. They come from Bankery, by the way. Gold medal in Paralympic skiing. They are the first the first males first males to win. Um, to win a gold medal in skiing, I think, across all um, Paralympics and Olympics, I think. And so they're the first ones. They get the honor of being the first ones. They might even get more titles. They might even get an honor from the Queen. Their life has changed. Their life is different. Lots of people will have watched the race. Lots of people know who they are. Their life has changed. The name Roger Bannister obviously means something to people. He was the first person to run four-minute mile. He is famous. His life changed because of what it was that he did. He was forever changed. He was a participant in what he was doing. He was a participant. Life changes when you move from being a spectator, like I am with rugby, 
to being a participant when you're involved in it. Your life changes. And one of the most central, pivotal moments of history is recorded by a man called Matthew. It's actually recorded by a man called Mark and John and Luke as well. But the one that we're going to read this morning is, is uh, recorded by a man called Matthew. It records an incident where two women, both called Mary, move from being spectators in something to being participants in a life-altering event. And Peter is going to come up and read that story to us just now. Verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Amen. And thanks be to God for this reading. Thank you, Peter. So the story tells us that there are two ladies called Mary who are heading towards Jesus' tomb. They're going expecting to find Jesus dead, still in the tomb. That's generally what happens with dead bodies. They don't tend to come alive again. So they were expecting to see a dead body. They expected to find their teacher, their friend, to still be dead. Matthew says that as the Marys approach the tomb, there's a violent earthquake, and they find a supernatural figure standing in front of the tomb. This figure rolls the stone away that's blocking the entrance to the tomb and speaks to them and says, don't be afraid, because if you saw that, you would be afraid. Don't be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. In that moment, in that moment, the two Marys are changed and transformed. They move from being spectators, thinking they were going to visit a dead body, to being participants. Some, suddenly, there's something happening. That's not what they expected. And so they go from being mourners and bystanders to being caught up in the middle of whatever this weird thing is that's going on. And so they run away from the tomb in 
kind of joy and in fear, and they run straight into Jesus. And it's just as that supernatural being that they just met at the tomb had told them. It's exactly what they said. And at that moment, they're overcome with emotion, and they kneel down, and they worship Jesus. They go from being spectators to being full participants. They're now part of what it is that's going on. They move from being mourners going to visit a dead body to worshipers as they worship the risen Jesus. And then look at what it is that Jesus says to them. He says, don't be afraid, because of course, if you see a dead body walking about, you're going to be afraid. So don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So they're part of the experience. They're given a job to do. They're participants. They're part of the team. They're participants because Jesus tells them to be witnesses to all that they've seen. Jesus tells them to be witnesses, to go and tell people that Jesus isn't dead, that he is alive again. Jesus tells them to tell people what has happened. He invites them to be participants in all that's going on. There's a man whose name is Scott Kutzman, and he is chief of surgery at Waterbury Hospital in Connecticut. And, uh, and the story goes that he was on his way to deliver an eight o'clock in the morning lecture when he witnessed one of the worst car accidents that Connecticut had had. Apparently a dumper truck um, whose driver had lost control flipped on its side and skidded into the oncoming traffic. The resulting accident involved 20 vehicles and apparently four people passed away. Kutzman immediately stopped his car, shifted into kind of trauma mode, and he worked his way through the mangled mess of people and cars calling out, who needs help? After about 90 minutes of helping, of working out uh, who needed hospital, who needed first aid, who needed treatment, when all of the 16 victims that were involved in this, uh, this car accident had been triaged and taken to hospitals, Kutzman then climbed back into his car and drove back to, or drove on to the, uh, to the medical school and gave his lecture two hours late. Over the years, apparently, Kuzman has stopped at over half a dozen crashes uh, and assisted directly in three of them. Apparently, he was asked one time why he does this, and he was recorded as saying, well, a person with my skills can't simply drive past anybody who's injured. I refuse to live my life in that way. Dr. Kuzman refused to live his life as a spectator, but became a participant. And it's so easy to be a participant, so easy to be a participant at Easter time, so easy to be a participant in your faith. We come to church on Easter, we guzzle all of our Easter eggs. Who started on their Easter eggs already? Yep, yep. That's, that's four honest people in the church and a whole lot of dishonest people. You come to church you eat your Easter eggs, you're encouraged by the warm fellowship and the uplifting, rousing hymns and the lovely flowers. Thank you to the flower team for putting the flowers together. Lovely flowers. And that's all amazing and wonderful. But then we go away out of here 
unchanged. Just like I do after watching the rugby. Rugby is great. I love it. It's great. I look forward to it. But afterwards, I make a cup of tea. I go and read the bedtime story to James. Nothing much changes in my life. So we, have, so we enjoy the service. We have a cup of tea afterwards. And then we go home. It's not bad. It's fine. It's not causing anybody any harm. But it's maybe a bit dull. A bit bland. It's not exactly what Jesus was describing when he said, live your life to the full. And so we can choose that. Or we can choose to be changed by what it is we hear. We can choose to be changed by the experience of hearing and participating in the resurrection of Jesus. We can choose to let the resurrection infect us, to inspire us, to animate our souls. And we can choose to be participants and to be transformed with meeting the risen Jesus, just like the two Marys were transformed by meeting the risen Jesus. So what does that transformation look like? It's fine saying you should be transformed, but what does that actually look like? How do we do that? How do we become participants? Well, there's a letter that's further on in the Bible, after the, uh, after the Gospels, after the story of Jesus. There's a letter that's written by a man called Paul, and he wrote a letter to a group of new Christians in the city of Corinth that gives us a little bit of an insight into what it means to be changed and to be participants in the resurrection. He says in this letter, he says, Therefore, if anyone is Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And the key bit to understanding what it is that Paul is saying here is the phrase, in Christ, and the implications of what that is. Now, normally when we talk about somebody, something being in something, then we're talking about something being inside something, like putting a set of tools in a toolkit, they're inside the toolkit, or when you put your clothes away in the wardrobe, then your clothes are inside the wardrobe. I wouldn't use this example with my children because they don't understand putting things inside a wardrobe. need to work on that with them. But generally, that's how we understand in something. However, when Paul uses it, he's not talking about something being inside in that kind of way. He's talking about something being joined, something being connected to something. So when Paul talks about being in Christ, he means to be connected to Christ. Like a branch is connected to a tree or a vine. Remember the, uh, the, uh, the story of the vine that we've looked at over the last series. Um, or like your arm or your leg is connected to your body, or like your router is connected to your Wi-Fi, or if you don't live in Ochterellen, when your electricity is connected to the main, the main source, those folks that had their electricity out at the weekend. And so when we're in Christ, it's because we are metaphorically attached to Christ. We are attached to Jesus, which means, that, means allowing our lives to be influenced by who Jesus is, to be, to be influenced by what it was that he taught and how he lived his life. This is what new creation means. This is what the new life that Paul talks about, Paul writes about, means. Because when Jesus was resurrected, he brought in a new creation. Often we talk about Easter Sunday being the first 
day of the new creation. The pastor and teacher John Stott explains it like this. He says, and new life in Christ leads inevitably to a new lifestyle with a new value system. This new life, this new creation, this new life of freedom is freedom from our past, freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, freedom from all of the things that make us cringe and feel bad about ourselves, freedom from all of the things that other people have, put, have told you that have put you down, freedom from, other, from things where people have made you feel worthless. All of that was put to death on the cross. That's what we dealt with on Friday. This is Sunday. We get to start new. All of that old stuff, all of those things that you're ashamed of, all of those things where people make you feel horrible, all of that was done away with on the cross. And we can come to this new life now through the resurrection. And so new life happens in those moments where we love other people, where we follow Jesus more closely, when we get to know what it is that Jesus is teaching and telling us about, when we mirror Jesus' lifestyle with our lives, when we refuse to follow a culture of the world that says that we should put people down, that we should step on other folks, that we should give people a, a, a bit of our mind. This is a new culture, a new lifestyle where we don't do that, where we treat people with grace and integrity and love. And when we do that, when we do that, we become what God created us to be. This new life, this new creation calls us to build systems that treat people with dignity, with equity, with fairness. This new life encourages, encourages us to choose peace and reconciliation and grace and forgiveness. This is what happens when we allow Jesus' message and Jesus' life and Jesus' resurrection and Jesus' Holy Spirit to come and live inside us. It transforms us from the inside out. It changes our heart and it changes our soul. The old life goes. That was all done away with on the cross. The new one is here. If we really let the message of Jesus transform us through his death and resurrection, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we become participants because our life becomes a living resurrection of grace and love and peace and forgiveness. And this new way of, this new way of life, this new way of living becomes incredibly compelling and incredibly compelling to the world. And ultimately, that's what it means to be resurrection people people who see life differently, people who live life through a different lens, who, who live a different culture, one that doesn't follow the world but follows Jesus. And this is what we're going to explore over the next seven weeks. We're going to explore and look at how we can be resurrection people, people with a new way of life, a new way of seeing our culture, um, and a way where we can live into the freedom of this resurrection. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to respond, and I'll explain what our response is um, uh, after we've prayed. 
and we do that. Okay, so let's pray together. Loving God, we thank you for all that you did on the cross to take away our sin, our shame, our guilt. We come to you in repentance and in humility. But we also come knowing that you that you got rid of all of that and that you invite us into this new life, this new way of being, this new culture. So, loving God, help us to be resurrection people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so we're going we're gonna to respond um, to that message. We're going to respond to what it is that God has said to us. And, and we're going to do it um, in, a, in a kind of physical response, and I'll, and I'll, I'll set that um, up in a little second. Do you ever leave stuff um, and not throw it out? Who, who, who are kind of hoarders, who like to kind of hold on to things? Yeah, yeah, there's quite a, quite a lot of us. We're a bit like that in our family. And there's people nudging folks saying, saying yeah, that's you, that's you. Um, we always have to have, have certain clear-outs. You can't leave everything, everything in, in your house piling up and piling up and piling up. And one time I showed James a, a picture of one of those hoarders' houses because he, was, he didn't want to throw anything away. And I said, well, our house will become like this. It'll become smelly and it'll become really dirty. And we're not saying that you have to throw everything away, but you can't keep everything, and especially not the recycling um, that normally just gets thrown away. So, so you have to go through a, a, a kind of process of clearing stuff out. This is the same with our hearts. This is the same with our lives. Um, if we let old, out-of-date thoughts, attitudes, feelings hang around because we're too scared or too busy or too, or, or, or too terrified or too lazy um, to deal with them, then after a while they take up too much room in our hearts. And after a while, they begin to, to, um, to infect our lives. We get a kind of heaviness um, uh, in, in our lives that, uh, that isn't helpful. But what Jesus tells us through Paul's letters is that we are a new creation. We have a new life. That we don't need to live holding all of that old stuff in, that, that piles up. The old has gone it went on the cross, whereas we now live in this new way. So we get to let go of all of those things. So in order to respond to that, what we are going to do, and I knew there was one more thing I needed to prepare this morning, but I'll do that in a second. I have a bag of my recycling. And it's clean I washed the recycling. So what we're going to do is we're going to play a couple of songs um, on, uh, uh, on the video. And the way to respond to this is to take a piece of rubbish and to effectively, metaphorically put the stuff that, that you're holding on to, onto that piece of rubbish. And then I'm going to bring the recycling bin um, from outside. That's what I meant to do earlier. And I'm going to stick it here. So we pick up a piece of rubbish, metaphorically um, ask God to take that away. Um, all of that kind of stuff that builds up in your heart. Um, put that all away and stick it in the recycling bin and then go uh, back to your seats free uh, from all of that. 
okay? Um, I do have, uh, let's say it is clean. Some of it is the Easter eggs that we ate this morning. Well, not the actual Easter eggs, the packaging. Um, if, you, if you really can't bend down, then, then I've, got a, I've got a thing that you can, that you can use for that. Um, don't fight over it. Remember that you're, that, you're, that you're resurrection people, and so you're kind. Okay, I'll bring the bin um, out uh, whenever you're ready. Um, go and grab a piece of rubbish and stick it in the bin. I think Illuminate, our teenagers, are uh, um, very intrigued by what is going on in the church this morning. Let's pray. Loving God, the old has gone, the new has come. Help us to live in to that. As we have been freed from the past, let us live into this new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is our sending prayer. So please join in the words in bold with me. Jesus, who is dead, is now alive, and we are his witnesses. The old has gone, the new is here, and we are a new creation. God reconciles the world to himself in Christ, and we are his ambassadors. God, send us out to be your resurrection people. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and all who you love and all those you find it more difficult to love this day and forevermore.